0: I'm glad that you're here today. It is the week after Easter. And you guys are the faithful ones who are here on the week after Easter. I'm really glad that you're here today. And we kick off uh, week one of Unstoppable, this brand new message series that we're in. And I got to be honest with you, Unstoppable is the last thing that defined my morning this morning. How many of you have experienced like a little bit of chaos over the last, let's say, 24 hours? Would you just be truthful for a moment? (laughs) Thank you for at least raising your hand to make me feel better. I appreciate that. But, you know, I really believe that uh, we are in a war and that there are times when Satan tries to steal, kill, and destroy our joy. And he tries to get us distracted for God's best, especially on a Sunday morning. And I would like for you to join me as we pray and ask for God's Holy Spirit to just work on our hearts and clear, uh, clear up our minds this morning. So would you join me as we pray this morning before we dive in? God, I, I know that I'm not the only one that has uh, maybe over the last day had some frustration, maybe disappointment, sadness. God, maybe even some like discouragement or just a little bit of chaos amongst some of the victories of life. The evil one wants to come in and steal and kill and destroy, and he'll do it in so many different ways that will get us discouraged and distracted from what you want for us. And so, God, right now, in the strong name of Jesus, I just admit that uh, I've been a little distracted even this morning. And, God, I'm sure that there are those who are within the sound of my voice who may put themselves in that same spot if they're really honest. And God, right now, I pray that your Holy Spirit would lead us and that you would guide us. And God, the whole point is is that by our own strength, we are stoppable, but with you and with your power and under your authority, God, we are unstoppable. And I pray right now in the strong name of Jesus that you would clear our minds, that you would purify our hearts, God, and that we would come to you here right now in this moment, ready for your word to speak to us. Holy Spirit, may you lead and guide right now. May your word not go out void, but God, may it return amazing things in our lives this morning. We give these next few moments to you in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. I've got a friend named Daniel. Daniel's a runner. How many runners are out there? Recreational or maybe competitive? I have got, got a lot of runners in the room. Daniel called me in 2003, we were living in Atlanta, and he called me in 2003, and uh, Daniel was a runner, but he wanted to kind of take it up a notch, and he called me and he said, hey man, I've entered the uh, Labor Day 10K in Marietta, Atlanta. Now, the the Labor Day 10K, I'm not sure, I don't think they do it anymore there, but for a long time it was known as one of the most difficult 10Ks in the country because it's all uphill, and if you lived in Atlanta or you know Atlanta, you know that um, there's not any part of Atlanta that's flat without man being involved in it. And so, you know, it just is what it is. And so the 10K there in, in the Marietta area is up Highway 41, and it is up, and it is straight up. And he um, said to me, he said, hey, um, I'm, I'm training for this this year, and, and I am, I'm looking for someone to train with me and run with me. To which I responded, man, I will be glad to help you find someone. I will work on that right away. Of course, Daniel had something different in mind, and um, so after a couple days, I got back to him, and I said, yeah, I'll do this. And so we began to train throughout the summer, and it kind of sparked something in me. I played soccer and and golf. Um, You don't do much running in golf, uh, but in soccer you do. And I played that in high school and really hadn't, like, focused on anything too much, Uh, you know, in my 20s. I was about 30 years old at at the time, back in 2003, and uh, so I decided I would go ahead and do this. And so we prepared and he, he, he had a lot more experience. So he taught me the idea of training for a race, right? And it kind of got in my blood and I really enjoyed it. And I ran in a few races, just recreationally, just for fun. Um, but when we moved to New York a few years later, I entered a half marathon. I'm like, this is gonna be awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it was, it was cool. But like I, I followed a training plan and, and those of you who are runners, um, you, you know that there's got to be a plan, and so I follow the plan, and, and you know, running, like preparing for, for a race of, of that size, a half marathon is, is about 12 to 13 miles, 12 and a half miles, and uh, so, uh, actually, yeah, so it's, it's right up there, at, you know, it's not the 26, uh, but it is, oh, that's a wall. I mean, there are some weeks back in New York that, like, I didn't even, like, 12 miles, you didn't even drive that, like, you know, and I'm thinking, holy cow, I got to run this. And so I began to prepare for it. And in in those kind of um, trainings, you have these benchmarks that are long runs. And, you know, maybe the first week, you're at three miles, and then you build up from there, and you kind of build up, and you build back down, and you build up to the point where a few weeks before the race, you run that race. So I I needed to run, you know, 12 to 13 miles um, on my long run. Well, I did really well in my training up to about eight miles, and then I just kind of lost interest. It was hot. It was the middle of the summer. The, the race was in August, so you know, just began to kind of lose interest. And I kind of plateaued at that eight-mile mark. And I, a few times I did a long run that was a little bit more than that, but I hated it. And I'm like, you know, I'm just, I'll be fine. Like it'll be okay. And, and so I went in and I, I entered the race, and I'm like, I'm still, you know, I'm still young. I mean, thirty is really young so like I entered it and I'm like this will be great and I had enough fitness I felt like I could do it and I did and I completed it and it was awesome I ran with a couple friends it was on a Sunday morning. No, I didn't miss church. Our church was on Sunday night. Just clarifying that. So you, you, you can just put that to, to rest in your mind. Like, oh, the pastor didn't go to church. Okay, I did. So anyway, uh, but we, uh, I ran it. It was a lot of fun. Ended um, with some of our friends. Um, Cindy and I made some good friends in New York while we were there. And, and it was great. But, but I got to tell you, in the first four or five miles, it was really great. Ran a fast pace. I had prepared. My body was somewhat ready for those first two miles. But it's interesting, I, 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 as soon as I hit mile 8, I felt like my body was going to melt into the New York pavement. And it really began to get harder and harder and harder. And I finally got to the point where the last few miles, it was a little bit of a run-walk type situation for me. And, and, and I was glad when I was done, I finished. And let me tell you something about a race in New York City. What happens after a race in New York City is once you're done, and we ended right there by ground zero, once you're done, you get on a subway with other people who have run. (laughs) There's no seats. I grabbed onto one of the hold poles, and for the 20-minute ride to our stop on the subway, I I realized when the doors opened for my stop, this is going to be hard to move from this position right here. took me a while to get the legs moving. And after the race, I thought, you know, it was great because I completed it. It was, it was, it was really neat. It, I felt very fulfilled in that I, I had done that. Um, but I was also a little bit disappointed that I hit this ceiling at mile eight. And then it occurred to me, I had only prepared to run eight miles. Eight miles is not a half marathon. Eight miles is eight miles. And I had gone into the whole thing without the end in mind. I had gone in thinking that like, I could just cover the rest of it. I could train up to a certain point. I could prepare up to a certain point. I could just cover the rest by whatever. And I left a gap between what I wanted to do, the goal that I had, and what I was preparing for. And I got to tell you, it's interesting, in in God's Word, um, we're going to take a look at today a verse that focuses on the course of life being compared to a race. And it's not the only time in Scripture that we see life compared to a race. In fact, in the New Testament, that happens a lot. And I wonder how, how many of 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 us here in this room, how many of you who are hearing on the web stream and on Facebook Live um, have really gone into the life, into our lives with the end in mind? Like really focused on what our purpose in life is? Or are we just meandering through life? And I realize this is Hilton Head Island. So a lot of you, whether you're here because you have retired here, or whether you're here because you've kind of like sought out a different kind of life and you wanted to live down here near the beach in this beautiful place that we all get to call home or if you're here on vacation or here for a period of time, you probably are here because you've had some measure of success, which means that you understand purpose. But I gotta tell you, I want you to hear this church. When we're talking about the race of life in God's word, success as we view it in life is not always the same as having our purpose, our God-given purpose in mind throughout our lives. And I also wanna caution some of you today, who may be here and you're like, Todd, you know, like, I've really accomplished a lot and I am through a good part of my life and I've had these great personal goals and I've accomplished a lot. You can get to the point in your life, we all can get to the point in our lives where we have so much accomplishments in the past that might be self-centered, that might be focused on us, that might be focused on some kind of, like, material goal or academic goal or vocational goal. We can, as Christians get to a point in our lives where we think we've had so much success that we kind of do kick back a little bit. And we kind of do embrace this idea of comfort and a casual living that those of you who live here know that this place breeds. And so throughout this message series, we're going to be taking a look at what it means to endure the race of life what it means to thrive in our lives, and there'll be several things along the way that that we'll find in our lives where there are these moments, these kind of thresholds, these kind of checkpoints, and there are thousands, literally thousands of resources available to us from the world to tell us how to succeed, but we as Christians have the best resource, and that is the Word of God, and so we're going to be taking a look at what it means to look to God's Word to help us throughout this race of life. If you have your Bibles, today you can turn to Hebrews. We'll begin in Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to be in verse 1. We're going to take a look at a couple other passages today, but we're going to start in verse 1 because this is the whole our whole series is based on this one verse. It's kind of a springboard to dive in. You're going to hear from me, you're going to hear from Justin, and my prayer is, is that God would open our eyes. Let's dive in and take a look at Hebrews 12 verse 1. The writer of Hebrews says here, Therefore, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now, the writer here, you've got to have some context to kind of understand where he has gone and where the writer is going. In the previous chapter, by the way, Hebrews is a book that's written to, guess who? Hebrews, okay? It's written to Jewish Christians, people that were Jewish, and they've become followers of Jesus, and so they're following Jesus, and the writer is trying to help them decipher this new message This message that's not based on rules, that's not based on any kind of law or things that you have to do, but it's based on grace and it's based on a relationship with God. It was a totally new thing. And so he has to deconstruct some things before he builds up some things. And in 11, he has what's called the, the Hall of Faith, if you will. It's a, 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 the story of a bunch of the heroes from the faith. And, and many people at the time in the original day in the first century who were Jewish Christians would have read about these heroes and they would have known their names and they would have strived to live like them. And so with that in mind, the writer says, therefore. Somebody once told me, anytime you read therefore in the Bible, you ought to stop and check and see what it's there for. Really corny, but it will help you to remember it, right? I love that, right? And so he says, therefore, let's take a look at the verse again. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, those people he's just talked about in this list of the heroes of, of the faith. He says, since therefore we've been surrounded by them, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run the race with endurance that is set before us. Now we're going to go back and take a look at the first part of that verse throughout the series, but I want to focus on the last three phrases, that last whole phrase that kind of consists of three words in the original language. It says, let us run the race with endurance. And you can see him on the screen. He says, to run with endurance. The definition of that in the original language was literally to progress or to strive forward with a patient fortitude. Man, that sounds a little ominous, doesn't it? Like, I'm kind of asking myself the question, What is going to require so much endurance? What is going to require patient fortitude? Run with endurance. This patient fortitude, he says. And I'm just wondering, what is he talking about that is going to be so difficult? And he defines it by the second word or the second phrase, which is the race. Now, this is like maybe we kind of maybe take this for granted, but the race literally means this progressive struggle, or get this, some, some indications are that it means a fight or an opponent. Isn't that incredible? So he's relating our lives to a race, but more specifically, he's talking about it as a fight or as an opponent. So that's why fortitude is needed, right? That's why endurance is needed. And then he describes that is set before us. He's basically saying, wherever whatever lies in your view, whatever is in front of you, let us run that race with endurance, with this patient fortitude. And I want to go back to the race for a second. This thing that he describes as something of a fight or of an opponent. You see, I think that sometimes our view... Of life is that it ought to be easy, that it ought to be comfortable, that we ought not to have to strive or work too hard. And the writer of Hebrews here, this is God's inspired word, inspired by God's Holy Spirit, tells us that we as his people... The Jewish Christians back then, and us in 2019, our job is to run this race, to face this life that is sometimes very difficult, with endurance. Notice he doesn't say victory. Notice he doesn't say a win. He says with endurance, and I hear Jesus' words echoed when he says, in this life you will have trouble. And listen, church, I think that, that, that sometimes we, as, as modern-day Christians in this century, in, in our time, we desire even in our faith to have a comfort, to have a little bit of like this moment of just like, I want to pursue what makes me feel right and what makes me feel good. And I got I to gotta tell you that being a person of faith, being someone who is, you, is called a follower of Jesus... That call was never to a place of comfort. It was never to a place of convenience. But then on the other side of the pendulum, some of us have this idea that it is such a fight and that we never will win. We've got to change our mindset. We have to have a truthful, real approach that life is going to be tough, but we also have to believe in and have the idea in mind, because it comes from God's word that we have the maker of the universe on our side. And given that under his power and with his strength and under his covering, we can be unstoppable, church. We can do this. I think the problem is is that we sometimes forget that we are created by God for a purpose. The Bible has tons to say about our purpose. It has a lot to say about our purpose. David talks about being created in the image of God in Psalm 139, a verse that some of you may be familiar with, others of you may not. He says this in verses 13 through 16. He says, for you formed my inward parts. Check out the screens. You formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb, he says. He says, I praise you, for I and fearfully and wonderfully made. Isn't that incredible, incredible prayer? He says, wonderful are your works. I want to come back to that word in a moment. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret. Intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. David clearly is giving God praise for the fact that he is created by God. And I want you to hear today, whether you're a Christ follower or not today, that you were created by the God of all creation. Isn't that incredible? And then in the New Testament we hear from the apostle Paul we read in this letter that he wrote to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians 2:10 that not only were we created by God but we are created by God for a purpose. He says this, he says for we are his say that next word with me, workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works which God prepared before him that we should walk in them. That word, workmanship, in the original language is poema. Isn't that incredible? A word that means literally a work of art. Like we are a work of art by the creator of the universe, and we are created for a purpose. And that's what I want you to hear today, that we all have a God-given and unique purpose for our lives. But how often do we forget that in the difficulty of life? When the course of life becomes this fight that the writer of Hebrews is talking about, when it becomes the opponent in some ways, when it becomes this thing that we have to have endurance for, we often forget that we were created for a purpose. And I believe that in our lives that the whole end goal of our lives ought to be born from and driven from the purpose for which God created us. Plato wrote, the unexamined life is not a life worth living. And I don't agree with his conclusion, but I do agree with the principle. And how many of us get to a point in our lives where we're stuck or we're frustrated, and we just get to this point where we, we kind of forget about having the end in mind. The Bible over and over and over again reminds us that we play a part in God's work in our lives, that we have a part in this. It doesn't just happen. When he says that we ought to run the race that is set before us, I believe what he's saying there is that there is an onus on us, that it doesn't all rely on us, but that we play a part in his work, his purpose for us. And that is, is to fight the good fight, to press through, to work every day towards our purpose. Jesus um, tells us this in Luke 14, 28 through 30. Check this out. This is actually kind of, it, it's, a, it's a restatement of, uh, of some different ideas from the Old Testament. And Jesus says this, For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and what? And count the cost whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. You've probably done that before, haven't you? You've seen a building go up or a house go up, and then all of a sudden it sits for years on end. And maybe you're a little bit irritated because it's in your neighborhood. Or it's in your community. But then there's a part of you that's like, how in the world could they have started on this and not finished? There's a, there's a building. We, we go down to Florida. My dad uh, lives in Florida, and so he's, he's in the Tampa area. And we go down to Florida and, and drive through Orlando. And if any of you have driven through Orlando in the last 10 years, you might have seen, some of you are laughing because you know exactly what I'm talking about, on I-4 as you're heading south. Right before you get to downtown, a few exits before you get to downtown, on the left side of the road is this little place called, um, uh, this little place called Maitland in Altamont Springs. I only know that because I lived there when I was young for a, a period of time when I was in elementary school. And right there at that exit, there's this gorgeous modern building that was started during the recession. And it looks like it's going to be an amazing building. And the only reason that you know that it might be an amazing building is you can see the skeleton and a little bit of the skin. And everything around it is dirt and it is still under construction. And I don't go through Orlando too often, maybe once a year, maybe once every other year. And I'm always waiting to drive by that exit and see it finished. (laughs) So you know what I'm talking about. Like one day, I hope to drive through Orlando and see this modern looking gorgeous building finished. But right now, last time I went there, which was not too long ago, a few months ago, it's still under construction. It's been under construction for a decade. And obviously, those who were a part of that, and I'm sorry if you're here today or listening you're a part of it, sorry. I just used you (laughs) unwittingly as an illustration, my bad. Uh, But like, for some reason, they didn't have the, the end in mind and the recession came, and I'm sure a lot of things happened. But listen, church, Christ, Father, we do that with our lives. We might have this passion when we're young, and we have this career in front of us, this vocation. We might have this exciting time in front of us, and then all of a sudden we get 10 years in, and we begin to lose some of the fight, some of our passion. We start to pursue comfort. Or maybe you're here today, and you're about ready to embark into college, and you're about to graduate. Maybe you are just a little bit aimless, kind of wandering through life. Well, I think if we want to be people who run the race with endurance, we're going to choose to live every day on purpose. And I don't know about you, but that's where I struggle with this, is living every day on purpose, living daily on purpose. What does it mean when when you and I live daily on purpose? What does it mean? It means a few things are going to happen. It means that we're going to be willing to say no to the good things so that we can say yes to the better things. Andy Stanley calls it choosing to cheat. We're going to have to choose to cheat. And if you're, if you're a God follower, if you're a Jesus follower, and you're here today, and you're a per- person that's on purpose, and you're not choosing to cheat on something in your life in exchange for time with him, then you're already dead in the water. And I only know that because I've been there before. I've been there before. And I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you to find those things that's going to put you on purpose. And it begins with the word of God. And it begins with taking time out of your day to spend with him. It may be the most important thing that you do to live on purpose. There's going to be a thousand other things that you're going to have to say no to so that you can say yes to the better things. It also means that you're willing to do what may make you uncomfortable, inconvenient, or even risky. God's not going to call you to a comfortable life. It also means that you be have to be willing to make decisions that make you unpopular Justin's going to talk more about that next, next week. It means that you may be willing to live in your sweet spot with the end goal in mind. Living on purpose, listen, I want you to hear this, church, is not easy. It's very difficult. It means that we're going to have to make choices. But I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you to find your God-given purpose. Maybe you're here today and you've been wandering. You've been kind of aimless and you're frustrated and you walked in today and, you know, it's post-Easter, like, you know, the, the, the RBC Heritage is over. Some of you are getting ready for college. Some of you have people in your homes that are getting ready for college and your lives are getting ready for college. I want to encourage you to find or reaffirm your purpose. It begins by asking God to reveal what that is in your life. I had someone recently tell me that... Um, They had this decision to make in front of them. And and it was a huge decision. And they said, "I, I couldn't help but make this decision. And it was a decision that was kind of made for them. Listen, if you're living on purpose, there are no decisions other than God's decisions that are made for you. And I want to encourage you and challenge you to get alone with God so that he can reveal his purpose For your life. You see, outside of the Great Commission to go into all the world and to to teach and to to baptize and to preach this good news, this gospel message, we who call ourselves Christ followers are uniquely and wonderfully made. We are his specific work of art, poema, workmanship. But we have to ask God himself what that is. The second thing I want to encourage you to do is to find your shape. We have this shape assessment that we have here at our church, and it helps us to help you find your place in this church and in this community, but it also will help you to find your place in this world. I want to encourage you to get online and, and fill out that profile and find out what your shape is. That shape stands for spiritual gifts, heart, uh, abilities, personality, and experience. And you all, whatever age you're at, have a beautiful creation of what that looks like in your life. Don't delay. Find out what that is and work it. And then I want you to ask these three questions. What am I uniquely created to do? What am I uniquely created to do? What do I want my legacy to be? And am I willing to live every day with intentionality? Am I willing to live every day with intentionality? And I think wrestling and working through those questions along with shape, along with just getting with God and asking Him and talking to Him about what you have been created to do. Is the way that we are going to set ourselves up to endure this difficult thing we call life running the race with endurance means discovering our unique purpose your unique purpose and living every day with that end of the race in mind listen church christ follower we may not get this right every single day we may not get this right every single moment. I certainly have times when I miss. There are times when I miss big time. There are times when I miss for seasons. But I believe if we are going to be people who find God's purpose, we are going to be committed to making this a part of our life and throwing off as that first part of that verse says, throwing off any hindrance that we have in our lives. Our series wasn't based on this book, but uh, we used Her title for the series it's a book by Christine Kane some of you know Christine Kane an amazing amazing communicator of the Word of God in fact some of you ladies are gonna be at a conference where she's gonna speak later this year and she wrote this book unstoppable and 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 in it she talks about running the race of life and she's actually she was a a runner uh, earlier in her life and she she ran these relays and she talks about God's exchange zone I don't want to end today by reading a portion of this book which by the way we have copies of this you can get this book back at guest services for $10 you can pick it up for $10 she says this and I want to end this way today she says because our God is a God of the impossible seemingly impossible can't hold us back from achieving God's purpose for us but other things can failure to enter the race or an unwillingness to take a position in the exchange zone will keep us from God's purpose for our lives. And she says, I want to make it personal by asking you the question, what is holding you back from achieving and finding God's purpose? You see, if we are going to be people who are unstoppable, Working for him, for his glory, under his authority, with his power, activated in our lives. We are first and foremost going to begin every single day with the end in mind. And regardless of where you are, in terms of age, experience, demographic, God has a purpose for you. And my prayer is that you would find that purpose and see it fulfilled. In this life, God, I pray this morning for those who are here and maybe their struggle is that they don't spend time with you every single day. They don't spend time in your word seeking you out, seeking out guidance for their lives. Father, I pray in the strong name of Jesus that you would help each one of us to have a commitment to you. That is so deep, that is so sincere, that we would wake up every single day desiring to spend time with you. God, give us a heart for you that's not driven by our own self interest, but for your purpose for us in this world. God, I thank you so much that we are your workmanship. And God, I pray for those who are here today at whatever phase of life that they're in, they're stopped, they're stuck, they're kind of in this rut. God, I pray in the strong name of Jesus that your Holy Spirit would begin to work in them. And maybe for them it begins by recentering their life's purpose on you. Maybe their life purpose over the past years and months and weeks has been a lot of self-interest, a lot of self-focus. Even a lot of self reliance. God, I pray that you would take those barriers down, that you would help us to throw off any weight that's keeping us back from your best in our lives. God, I I pray that you would be with those who are here today, who they're purposeless because they don't know you yet. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would reach them and that they would come to the point in their lives. Where they put their trust and their faith and belief in you for salvation and activate and open that great thing that is your purpose for them. God, I pray that you would reveal, that your Holy Spirit would reveal in each one of us right now, just in the quietness of this place, what is the thing that's holding us back from fully seeing your purpose fulfilled in our lives? I pray that we would give whatever it is that you're revealing to us to you and that we would make the commitment to do our part to run the race with endurance. And God leave the results to you. Thank you God for giving us the power given by you that we have to achieve these things and God I pray that you would help us to constantly rely on you. We love you so much. We thank you for salvation. And we thank you for giving us a purpose. We thank you for creating us in your image. In Jesus' name, I pray.